It's Kimberly and Megan, and you've entered room 237, the bonus. Oh, nice, nice taper. Mm-hmm. I wanted to fade out. You know. Good job, girl. Good thank, job. Thank you. Thank you. So last week we talked about the strangers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's all about like a couple whose home is invaded by murderous strangers. So for the bonus this week, we thought we'd talk about th- the three events that writer and director Brian Bertino stated the movie was based on. That'll be fun. Yeah. So this is the based on true events portion of loosely, the beginning. The loosely based. Loosely based. Mm. Yes. So the first one is the Manson family murders. I mean, who doesn't know about the Manson family? But we're going to tell you a little bit about it. We're going to tell you anyway. (laughs) So Charles Manson led a cult based in California in the late 1960s. He used LSD and other unconventional sexual practices. Wow. I wonder what those were. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But they're unconventional. They're unconventional. (laughs) So who knows? I don't know. Probably butt sex. Right. (laughs) Anal. He used anal. He was to... like LSD and anal. <laughs> hey, those are his vices. He used them to reprogram the minds of his followers. Okay. So he began his preaching. He began preaching his own like made up philosophy. And this is based on a mixture of the science fiction novel Stranger in Strange Land by uh, Robert Heinlein, the Bible, Scientology, Dale Carnegie, and he's the writer of How to Win Friends and Influence People, and also The Beatles. You know he loves some Helter Skelter. Yeah, he does. So after midnight on the night of August 8th, 1969, under the orders of Manson, who was not there, because he's a bitch. Because he's a puss. You know what? I'm not going to call him bitch anymore, because that's too nice to him. He's a pussy yes no that's also no that's too nice, too nice that's too pussies nice they're great pussies are nice and durable they and are strong resilient he's a nutsack he's a dick he's a dick <laughs> just worthless thin short just the worst kind of dick you could think of so he ordered his followers tex watson susan atkins linda kasabian and patricia krenwinkel and they went to the house at 150 Silo Drive in LA. Inside, this is the home of Roman Polanski and his wife, Sharon Tate, who was eight and a half months pregnant at the time, although Roman was not home. Nope. He was overseas. But Sharon was there, her friend Jay Sebring, who was a celebrity hairstylist, and also her former flame, which is a weird thing. Okay. But I guess Roman had a lot of faith in Sharon. Um, Look, he couldn't get her pregnant, so. She is pregnant. No, I'm saying, like, if the friend was over, he couldn't get her pregnant, so. Right. So, um, in addition to Jay and Sharon, Roman Polanski's friend, this is, he has a really Polish name, Woshik Frakowski. We're just going to call him Frakowski because that's easier to pronounce. And Frakowski's girlfriend, Abigail Folger, who was the heiress to the Folger coffee fortune. So real rich. Yeah, there's some money, money money in this room. Also present on the property, but not currently in the home were William Gerritsen, who was the caretaker. He had a little caretaker's ca- like home mm-hmm. down the road, and Stephen Parrott. And Polanski was, like I said, in Europe. He was working on a film. He's a director. He's got his own issues, frankly. He's not a For great real. person. <laughs> <laughs> At this point in time, he didn't do anything wrong that we know of. <laughs> well, Manson had told the women to do what Watson told them. Like, you obey all of Watson's commands. Listen to the man. Listen to the man. Blech. And he told Watson to totally destroy everyone inside. We're really on our feminine, feminine, feminism we bullshit are, today, aren't we? Aren't we? <laughs> 
So Watson cut the phone line to the house so they can't call anybody. And they left the car they came in at the bottom of the hill because L.A. has a bunch of, like, they have the Hollywood Hills and stuff. Mm -hmm. This house is up in the hills. So the driveway, at the bottom of the driveway, you have to kind of go up a hill to get to the house. And they climbed up that hill to the home. During their climb, they saw headlights approaching and Watson stopped the car. Inside was Steve Perrin, who begged Watson not to hurt him. Poor guy. I know. Um, Watson did not listen and uh, slashed Perrin with a knife, severing tendons in his hand, and then shot him four times in the chest and abdomen, and it killed him. Tex Watson is like a real big asshole. Like, he does most of the bullshit in all of these murders. Okay, so he just said, Linda Kasabian, keep a watch by this gate. We're going to go into the house. So he cut and removed a screen of a window. He got into the home and then he went to the front door and just let the two ladies in, um, Atkins and Krenwinkel. I'm not really sure how he wasn't noticed, but not sure. we're not getting in too deep. We're just giving you the basics. Just giving you the, the high level. I mean, there's like a whole podcast and all they talk about oh, is this yeah, murder. This like is this very... <laughs> 30,000 foot yeah, view. Exactly. Um, Atkins and Krenwinkel, they rounded up the occupants of the house and brought them all into the living room. He tied up Sharon Tate and J.C. Bring, he tied them together by their necks with a rope and they slung that rope over one of the beams in the ceiling. Sebring complained to Watson about his rough treatment of Tate since she's pregnant. And then so Watson was like, fine. They shot him and then they stabbed him several times. Right. Like, like, he was just being with like, me. hey, like, can you kind of take it like, easy? Maybe preg- like she's pregnant. He was like, fuck you. It's like, I'll show you pregnant. Yikes. <laughs> Frakowski's hands, they were tied with a towel, but he managed to free himself and he struggled with Atkins. Uh, so uh, she stabbed him in the legs. <laughs> Seems weird, but okay. Uh, he was able to fight her off and he made it onto the front porch where old Watson caught this up dude. to him. Watson, man, he caught up to him, pistol whipped the fuck out of him, stabbed him, and finally shot him twice. Ridiculous. Frakowski was stabbed 51 fucking times. That's overkill. Overkill. And struck 13 times in the head with the butt of Watson's gun which bent the barrel and broke off one side of the gun grip. So that was hard. Yeah. Like he was real. Like, I mean, that's like more than pistol with this man was demolished. It's ridiculous. Inside the house, Folger escaped Krenwinkle and fled out of the bedroom where she had been taken into the pool area. Krenwinkle caught up to her on the front lawn and tackled her to the ground and stabbed her. And then Tex Watson showed the fuck up and he helped finish killing her off. He's always like, ooh, let me do this overkill. He wants to be in all of it. He sure does. So she was stabbed a total of 28 times. Yikes. Tate, she pleaded with Atkins and Watson to, like, just keep her hostage, you know, just until she gave birth, right? Like, just let her baby live. But, um, no, they stabbed her 16 times, killing her. And the baby, obviously. Atkins then wrote pig on the front door in Tate's blood. She claims this was to copycat the murder scene of Gary Hinman so they could get Manson family member Bobby Beausoleil out of jail. He was in custody for the murder of Gary Hinman. And he had written at the scene, political piggy in Hinman's blood on the wall after stabbing him to death. Ridiculous. So ridiculous. This whole thing just irritates me. I find them all so weird. Yeah, like just a little... And you know they stunk because they were living oh, on this you fucking know they like, did. nasty they ranch. Reek. The following night, which was August 9th, uh, the same four murders 
plus Manson, Leslie Van Houten, Clem Grogan, they all went to the house at 3301 Waverly Drive in LA. Manson walked up the driveway and then he returned, stating he tied up the occupants inside. So Watson, Krenwinkel, and Van Houten went inside the house. Watson claims... This is after, of course, that Manson then roused the sleeping Lino LaBianca from the couch and he had Watson tie him up. Lino's wife, Rosemary, was then brought into the living room and Watson covered both of their heads with pillowcases and bound those pillowcases in place with lamps. Like the cords of the, the lamps. Lamps still attached. Yeah. So, I mean, Manson just straight up lied and his followers are not having the problem with that, obviously. He was like, yeah, I definitely tied up the people inside, but he didn't do shit. But he didn't do a damn thing. Manson gave Krenwinkel and Van Houten instructions to shoot the couple and then he left the house. Such a bitch. He's a bitch. I hate him. (laughs) He's the worst. Watson then had the women move Rosemary to the bedroom while he began stabbing Leno with a bayonet. Watson then went into the bedroom and discovered that Rosemary was keeping the women at bay, bless her, by swinging the lamp that was tied to her neck. Yes. I'm proud of her. He managed to stab her several times with the bayonet, then went back to the living room to continue killing poor Leno. He carved the word war into the man's abdomen once he was dead. I mean, these dumbasses. Oh, Watson returned to the bedroom and saw that Krenwinkel was stabbing Rosemary. He cleaned off his bayonet because he loves his fucking bayonet. <laughs> and then he showered where Krenwinkel wrote, rise and death to pigs on the walls and also helter skelter which by the way she which, spelled wrong yeah, she's <laughs> idiots she did that on the refrigerator door in blood she then stabbed the body of leno 14 times with a carving fork which she left impaled in his stomach and then planted a steak knife in his throat I mean, the man is dead. For real, There's girl. There's no need for it. Back off. While all of this was happening, Manson drove the other three members to the Venice home of an actor, and he left them there and returned back to where they were staying, which is Spawn Ranch. They, the three that he left, along with the people at the La Bianca home, were left to hitchhike home. Like, he didn't even pick these hoes up. Like, you just committed murder for this man. Right? And he's like, no. I'm going to go. Good luck to y'all. Hitchhike home. We'll see you. Kasabian claims Manson wanted to murder this actor at his Venice home, but she deliberately knocked on the wrong door. So they left. Sure. Okay. Okay. So that's the Manson family murders. They were, of course, all caught, convicted, and are still in jail or are dead. They should be. And they should be. I, you know, never realized, I guess, originally, everybody knows about the Manson murders, but I never realized that Tex Watson basically did everything did all of it you know like he seems really full of rage so full of rage you know like he's got some problems so our next thing that inspired the movie the strangers is the 1981 Kelly cabin murders in july of 1979 glenna susan aka sue Ooh. sharp and her five kids left home after she separated with her husband That's a lot of kids i know Five fucking kids. A lot of Jesus Christ. It's four too many. That's five too many. It's five too many, to be honest. (laughs) She relocated them to Northern California where her brother Don lived. That fall, she moved to a house in Keddy when it became available after the county sheriff moved out. So it was a former sheriff's cabin. Right. So she lived there with her 15-year-old son, John, 14-year-old daughter, Sheila, 12-year-old daughter, Tina, 10-year-old son, Rick, 
and five-year-old son Greg. This woman was pregnant for fuck just forever, forever, just constantly. Ugh. Especially like the first three are just like bam, bam, yeah, bam. 15, 14, 12, 10. Just and then she had like a little bit of little break, break. And then here comes old Greg. Fucking Greg. Could you imagine <laughs> having five children? I would die. Literally die. Like your vagina will never be the same. Your mental health would never no, be the it's same. Just every, your body is ruined. Your, your mind is, is ruined. ruined. Just everything is Oof. ruined. I love children. <laughs> we love them so much. They're great. So on the morning of April 11th, 1981, Sue, Sheila, and Greg went to pick up Rick. In nearby Quincy. They happened upon son John and his friend Dana who were hitchhiking and they picked them up. And then that afternoon, John and Dana hitchhiked back to Quincy to visit friends. And they were seen in the city's downtown area. So people were like, yes, we definitely saw them. They were, you know, there at that point. eyes on them. Well, that evening, Sheila left home around 8 p.m. to spend the night with the Seabolt family. This whole thing is weird to me. It really... All of it, because I've read it before. Yeah, it's weird. Sue remained at the home with Rick, Greg, and the boy's friend, Justin Smart. Sheila arrived at the Seabolt home where Tina had been watching TV. Tina returned to the Sharp home around 9.30 p.m. So, like, they don't say, but who is Sheila visiting? Like, just Mr. and Mrs. Seabolt? <laughs> like, why the are you staying family? the night? I- and why is Tina over there just watching, watching TV? Watching TV, but she's going over there. It's you weird. think like maybe she was doing some weird sex stuff Yes, with in the my mind, family? fucking Mr. Seabolt was up to no good. Mr. Seabolt. I don't know his name. <laughs> Around 7 a.m. April 12th, Sheila returned to the Sharp home and discovered the bodies of her mom, Sue, her brother, John, John's friend, Dana, all in the living room. All three were bound with medical tape and electrical cords. Tina was not in the home. And Rick, Greg, and Justin were unharmed in an adjacent bedroom. Hmm. Sounds sus. Sus as fuck. Sheila returned to the Seabolt house and Jamie Seabolt oh, came. the, the dad, Jamie, Mr. Seabolt. Mr. Seabolt. <laughs> he came back with her and retrieved Rick, Greg, and Justin through their bedroom window. Why could you not just go in? Go through the door. <laughs> oh, two knives and a hammer were found at the scene with one of the knives having been bent at roughly 30 degrees. Like, that is That's aggressive. as fuck. <laughs> Sue was discovered lying on her side. She was naked from the waist down, gagged with a bandana and her panties, which had been secured with tape. Yikes. Yeah. She was, in st- she was stabbed in her chest. Her throat was stabbed horizontally. Oof. That's rough. With the wound going through her larynx. Yikes. All right. She also had an impact wound on the side of her head matching the butt of a BB gun. So they just, they went they in. They fucked her up. They went in on Sue. John's throat was slashed. Dana had multiple head injuries and was manually strangled. John and Dana both suffered blunt force trauma to their heads from the hammer. Mm. Yuck. Autopsies determined Sue and John die from their stab wounds and blunt force trauma, and Dana died from asphyxiation. Mm. Tina's disappearance was initially investigated by the FBI as a possible abduction, and my very first thought when I was going through this was, that bitch was involved. That was- <laughs> you know, I listen to too much true crime. I don't trust I anybody. I can't find her. Mm. I'm like, involved. She, she's not there. She was in on in it. it. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't. <laughs> Or she could have been, but we don't know. What? We'll never know. On April 22nd, 1984, a bottle collector discovered a portion of a human skull roughly 100 miles from Ketty. The sheriff's office received an anonymous call that said the remains found belonged to Tina. The remains were confirmed to be those of Tina Sharp in June of 1984. So they were so. 
They were home. But she was a long way from home, which is odd. In a 2008 documentary on the martyrs, former neighbor Marilyn Smart, who is the mother of the boy's friend, Justin Smart, who Mm -hmm. was in the home at the time, said she suspected her husband Martin and his friend John Bow Boobity, I guess, were responsible for the murders. Sheriff Doug Thomas said he had personally interviewed Martin and Martin passed a polygraph, which I don't have any faith in and a polygraph. Why no. even do it? They're not admissible in court. They're just a bunch of bullshit. They don't tell you anything, in, in, like nothing. They really don't. And like, if you know what they're looking for, you can easily outsmart a yes. photograph. You can also just like or you take, can be bossy and like, take a muscle relaxer before you go and your heart rate will be just chilling out. Like I'm on anti-anxiety medicine, so my heart rate would probably be chill as fuck. Just lie, and I would just lie. lie my ass off. Well, both Martin. Although honestly, before you go on, I would never agree to take a poly. No, ever. Just a note to y'all: if you ever get called to the police's office, one, never say a word. Ask for your lawyer. Yeah, I'm not Two, doing shit. Never agree to a poly. without a lawyer. It don't matter if you're innocent as fuck. Never take a poly. Nope. Both Martin and Bo were dead at the time of the documentary. Martin died from cancer in 2000 and Bo in 1988. Bo was apparently a little bit mixed up with some gangster action Uh-oh. in Chicago and was murdered in Chicago. Yikes. R.I.P. to them. Not really because they probably killed these poor people. Okay, so the third thing was Brian Bertino's own personal experience. Well, when Brian was a child, he stated that he recalls a night when his parents were not home. Someone knocked on the door asking for a person who didn't live there. And he later found out that the people knocking were robbing houses in the neighborhood where no one was home. So kind of the reverse of what happened in the movie. Yes. Is Tamara there? (laughs) Tamara? (laughs) No. Oh, so that's um, the three things that inspired the movie The Strangers. Okay. Loosely based on uh, real life events. There we go. Very, very loose. Very loose. Just like Kim when she was in college. Hey. Next week, what are we doing, Kim? We are doing hush. 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 Yes, I'm excited we are. for it. It's, it's a, a good one. It's a good movie. I'm excited too. All right. If you want, you can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. We're at Room 237 The Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Room 237 The Pod C1. Or you can send us an old fashioned email at Room 237 The Podcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to one, rate and review us. Two, tell some friends about us. It, both of those things help people discover our podcast, help get us out there. So we would really, really appreciate it. All right. We will see y'all next time. Bye. Bye.